athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. A little bit after 7 in the east, 4 p.m. out west, and you've got it locked into the Dopey Show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a really good show for you today. Generally, we do, but I've got a legend, and then I've got an innovator for you on today's program. A lot to get to. In the next segment, or a little bit later on in the program, we're going to be joined by former Hampton, Virginia Union, Howard, and Florida A&M head football coach Joe Taylor, currently the athletics director at Virginia Union. And it was announced earlier this week that Joe Taylor, the legendary, again, so also college football Hall of Famer, black college football Hall of Famer, and former American Football Coaches Association president has been named to the College Football Playoff Committee. That is absolutely huge, especially from an HBCU standpoint, because Joe Taylor is a legendary figure in HBCU football. Uh, he's been on this show so many times I can't even count. We, we go back 15 in excess of years, and, and actually – he was, uh, he was a couple of years. He grew up in the city, in Washington, D.C. He was a couple of years um, behind my father at Cardoza High School, as a matter of fact. And, um, wow, I, I tell you, to be able to have him on the show, especially now after, again, being named to the college football playoff committee as the athletics director at Virginia Union and then Again, at all the schools I mentioned and all of the Hall of Fames, all of the accolades, um, he's going to join us a little bit later on in the program. So that's our legend. I spoke about an innovator. Well, former Los Angeles Lakers, Chicago Bulls, Denver Nuggets. Then you look at LaSalle. You look at Loyola Marymount. You look at George Mason. You look at the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, what else? What other teams am I missing? You look at the, uh, Oregon, the women's program, Paul Westhead, Paul Westhead. You remember Paul Westhead? He won. Uh, he was the head coach when the Lakers won the NBA championship in 1980. Magic Johnson was a rookie. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was part of that team, obviously, in game six. He was injured. Magic Johnson started at center as a rookie, 42 points, and the legend of Magic Johnson in the NBA was established at that point. Went on, of course, to Loyola Marymount. Had some really good teams. He used to score a bunch of points. He was the head coach when Hank Gathers uh, collapsed on the court and passed away. Paul Westhead, also going to join us today. Here on From the Press Box to Press Row, I've got also uh, a couple. We've had some passings. Like, there have been, I mean, you look at Cicely Tyson in the in the in the world of of uh, of acting and um, all that she meant um, not only to the acting world but to you know civil rights so forth as well. Um, and then there's a couple of other people that I want to mention as well. One of the persons is Sekou Smith. Those that watch the NBA have watched Turner. No Sekou Smith. He's been on Turner covering the NBA for so many years. A graduate of Jackson State. As a matter of fact, I had a chance to meet Sekou at the 2007 NBA All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas. Met him through uh, the legendary Roscoe Nance, former USA Today NBA writer who has passed on. As a matter of fact, it's been uh, a little more now. He passed on in January of 2020. Uh, met him through him. He used to come on the program, talk NBA. Uh, a big loss also 
with Sekou Smith passing on at the young age of 48 from the coronavirus. It's real. People, please mask up and be safe. Another uh, legendary passing to also mention a little bit later on in the program. You can participate with us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Also on my personal, personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one Also on my personal Instagram account, at WearDonald. Very few have had success as a head coach in college basketball as well as the pros, but my first guest has in fact, done so. He was the head coach of the L.A. Lakers in 1980 when the Lakers won the NBA championship. Also was the head coach of the Phoenix Mercury. Also the former head coach of many colleges, including Loyola of Marymount. 36 years as a head coach in college and pro. We are joined by Paul Westhead. Coach Westhead, Welcome to From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you very much, Donald. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. The speed of the game, fast times in basketball is the book. Uh, I, I want to start here. Why were you – I mean, obviously it's two vastly different things. As I mentioned, uh, pro in college, not a lot of coaches have success. Why were you able to have uh, success in both? Well, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, I, I ran my fast uh at both levels, uh, uh, the professional level, the collegiate level. I, uh, I also coached in the ABA. Uh, I coached in Japan and the professional league. I coached in Puerto Rico. So uh, the, the factor that remained the same was uh, my style was speed and was uh, fast break. And I guess if you get enough jobs, uh, sometimes it works. Uh, as I talk about in my book, I had like 20 coaching jobs, and I got fired in 14 of them. But every <laughs> once in a while, uh, you know, uh, like when I was coaching in college with Loyola Marymount University, it, it, it works. And, and you score 120 points a game, and you're almost unbeatable be, because of the speed game. So it can get you hired and win and they can get you fired and run out of town yeah no question uh so when did you implement this like you started as, as a high school coach but of course collegiately in the early 70s at LaSalle in Philly so when did you implement this up-tempo fast break offense yeah it was during my time at LaSalle University in the 70s I was there from roughly 1970 to 1980 before I went to the Lakers and during that time is when I went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and coached in the summer leagues, and I saw how fast the Puerto Rican players played. They, they did it, like, instinctively. They, they loved to run and shoot. And back in Philly, you know, the style was much more conservative and much more controlled, and uh, so I had to try and transition from controlled play-action basketball to more free flowing uh, fast action and and I had some great players in the 70s at LaSalle uh, uh, I had a player from Pittsburgh Kenny Durrett who was just spectacular I had Joe Bryant who was, was Kobe's dad and uh, Joe Jelly Bean Bryant uh, loved to play fast uh, so uh, with some players and with a new approach to the game that I got mostly from from Puerto Rico and a, and a coach at Old Dominion University, Sonny Allen, I I launched my fast break system. Yeah, that's the voice of Paul Westhead. The book is The Speed of the Game. As he joins us here, I'm from the Press Box to Press Room. I want to get your thoughts, Coach Westhead, on the college game, college basketball game today. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think the game has evolved. Uh, uh, there are some some terrific teams out there. I mean, I'm I, I live out in the West Coast, and uh, because of my Loyola Marymount roots, I I watched uh, that conference. And Gonzaga is number one in the country, and uh, Mark Few is doing a terrific job. 
and they play kind of up tempo. But you see, uh, the the co- college coaches, especially the ones that survived, like Mark Few and Jim Beheim and Mike Krzyzewski, they all do things unroll. Uh, and by that I mean uh, they'll play a little fast when it's to their advantage, and they'll slow down when it's to their advantage, and they'll mix things up. Uh, see, I was different than that. I, I was going to play fast from the first possession to the last possession, no matter. And my players knew it, and and therein lies the difference. So uh, I think the college game has really improved in many ways. The three-point shooting has changed the game. I wouldn't say uh, fast break has, but the three-point shot has. Yeah. You know, for you winning that championship with the Lakers uh, in the 80s, I'm, I'm sure you talk about, or in 1980, I should say, I'm sure you talk about that in the book. Of course, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson uh, was a rookie, that famous game when he had the, you know, the 42 points against Philly in game six. Uh, can you, what are your most memories about that? And then what ultimately happened, like you had success, what ultimately happened there in L.A.? Yeah, well, you know, that day was was a magical day for all of us. Uh, you know, we, we flew in, uh, had, to, had to play a game without our star, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was, who, who was injured in Game 5 and didn't travel with us and wasn't going to play anymore. Uh, on the flight in, uh, I had a casual conversation with Magic and said, you know, could you play center? And he looked at me, smiled, and said, sure. You know, like, I was a center in high school, and that was only like a year ago. Uh, if you remember, he played one year at Michigan State. So, like, the year before, he was apparently a center in this high school. So he said, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, I can remember uh, about to start the game, and uh, we're in a team huddle, and uh, my big power forward, Jim Jones, says, Coach, so, so I'm jumping, right? I said, no, Jim. Even though you, you might be better, we want Magic to jump center to be symbolic that uh, we're going to be really different tonight. And, of course, Magic jumped center and he actually made a sky hook early in the game in the post. And then he did anything he wanted and, as you know, scored 42 points and, and uh, we won the championship. Last thought, uh, what do you remember? I mean, that was obviously a tough season, the run in 1990 with Loyola Marymount, I remember very vividly uh, Hank Gathers and in, in, in his passing. Uh, speak to that a little bit, and of course the run you all were able to make, uh, maybe fueled by that in the NCAA tournament in 1990. Yeah, there, there, it was hard times for us. Uh, you know, we, we knew we had a very good team, and uh, and life was very good for us because the players had bought into the fast break and uh, they were getting 120 points a game uh, on average and then with Hank falling uh, and, and passing away uh, it it just changed everything uh, uh, the players myself uh, the actual community of Loyal Marymount was they were devastated uh, we we didn't want to do anything uh, the grief was so significant. And then weeks later, the team got together and said, we want to play for Hank uh, and go into the tournament. So we did. And they played better than they ever had in the past. And uh, I'm convinced that it was because they could care less about winning or losing. They were just trying to play for their fallen friend. The book is The Speed of the Game. It is by Paul Westhead, who is our guest, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Westhead, appreciate the time. Uh, Good luck with the book and in future endeavors. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Former NBA, WNBA, and college basketball coach Paul Westhead joining us on the program. And, yeah, I mean, he had some success at LaSalle. He had some success at Loyola Marymount. Not so much at George Mason and then beyond, but he's an innovator, high-octane up offense, and uh, by the way, had gotten a message from Daryl Brooks, the head men's basketball coach at Bowie State, 
who coached with Paul Westhead at George Mason and says that Coach Brooks says he uses some of those same techniques in what he does at Bowie State. And Bowie State has had a lot of success, multiple CIAA tournament championships under Daryl Brooks. We're just getting warmed up here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Up next, the legendary Joe Taylor, again just selected to be a member of the college football playoff committee. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here, right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-605-1679. 800-605-1679-800-605-1679. That's 800-605-1679. Paid for by Go Health. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. As we continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we are joined by a legend. This gentleman coached 30 years in college Football was elected last year to the College Football Hall of Fame and wouldn't you know it is one of the newest members of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Also formerly a, the president of the American Football Coaches Association and a black college Hall of Fame inductee. He's the one and only Joe Taylor joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Taylor, congratulations. Welcome back to the program. Well, thank you so much, and uh, appreciate all that you do, and appreciate you for reaching out to me. And as you said, it's just been a real blessed career. And, um, you know, we just, I thought I had retired, but I guess I had just refined <laughs> because I'm still moving. But a real blessing, real blessing. No question. Of course, the uh, the athletics director at Virginia Union, we've been doing this a long time. Like, Boxer Row's been on the air 15 and a half years we've been you know you've been doing this a long time we've been doing this a long time so I appreciate the time and I want to start here your thoughts on being selected to the college football playoff committee well first of all it's a very prestigious committee uh I'm honored I received a call from Bill Hancock uh just before the holidays uh to see what my interest would be and certainly, uh, I told him that, uh, that it would be very, you know, to be inside of the room at the table and kind of see how all of it go in terms of the analytics. Because, you know, the, the real responsibility comes from uh, selecting the top 25 each week during the season. But then... At the end, we will get together in a secluded hotel someplace out in Texas, and uh, we will decide on who will be the, the final four uh, to compete. Uh, as you know, last year, of course, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson and Ohio State uh, 
were the final four. So that's the main responsibility. And again, I'm excited and looking forward. And uh, I thought I had finished watching the film, but I guess I'm not. <laughs> and this, I mean, this is not something you. I mean, you obviously were selected, but this is not something you went after. They, they came to you about being part, uh, part of this committee. That's correct. Uh, I tell you, I found out later uh, after Bill and I talked for a while. Uh, in 2019, in New York, um, I had I was asked to give the reception or response on behalf of all 15 inductees into the uh, National Football College Hall of Fame. And Bill was in the audience. And uh, fact, you can, you know, take your remote and just go to YouTube and say Joe Taylor uh, Hall of Fame. And you can still hear my uh, response when I talked about controlling your, uh, your dash. And he told me that he was in the audience, but certainly uh, he called around to Dr. Thomas and, uh, you know, probably Grant Taft, who uh, at the time that I was the president of the American Football Coaches Association, Grant Taft was the executive director. So, you know, they dotted their I's and uh, crossed the T's, and, uh, and I think it's the body of work that we've been involved with over our, you know, 40 years that really uh, created this opportunity for me. Yeah, definitely a, a big-time opportunity. What You know, what are, are there any things that you've seen? Because, I mean, I get it, but you're not – you're like, you're – this is – you were the president of the American Football Coaches Association. Like, that's a pretty prestigious deal. And maybe – I don't know if you you all did some of the same things, especially when it came to, you know, selection of, of FCS – or I guess at that time, one double A, you know, playoffs or, or, or what have you. But are there some things that maybe you've seen or some, some ideas you have that you'd like to, you know, sort of bring to the table as it relates to the college football playoff? Well, you know, that's a good question. And uh, that's a good narrative to, uh, you know, really talk from because when I was on, I was on the board, uh, probably about eight years before I rose to the position of president. But you're in the room uh, with, you know, your Bobby Bowden, your Steve Spurriers, uh, you know, the list goes on, Bobby, uh, you know, Stoops. Um, and you're looking at legislation. Uh, you're looking at ethics. Uh, you're looking at how can we make this great game of football better? And also, how can we protect it? Because there's always onslaughts. There's always uh, persons who uh, think they have a better idea as to how things should go. So I think having that experience uh, and then being the president at one point, uh, all of that, again, when I say body of work, it's just been a wide range of experience uh, from uh, inside the board meeting room. Uh, to, you know, speaking at conventions, um, you know, I think all of that, because that platform that I had at Hampton, with the kind of success that we were able to, uh, you know, put together, uh, you know, hard work does not go unnoticed. And and then when you do it, and the first thing I heard was, because they did a background check, (laughs) it's all about integrity doing it the right way uh, and, you know, letting the analytics speak and not, you know, trying to create, well, you know, these scenarios, but they are not, they don't have any uh, analytic base. So because I've done that, uh, you know, was able to experience that, all of that led to, uh, I think, this call coming uh, because, like I said, no, no, it's nothing that you pursue. Um, and I think the first uh, committee consisted of persons like um, Condoleezza, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, then you talk about Willingham that was at, North, uh, at Notre Dame for a while. So they do their homework. And I think that 
because we were able to achieve at such a high level and do it the right way led to this uh, final selection. Joe Taylor, who, of course, won five HBCU or Black College National Championships as the head football coach at Hampton, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, was just selected to be a member of the college football playoff. Do you feel like the CFP coach Taylor needs to be expanded? Well, you know, the the thing for me right now is just kind of, you know, look at what's been happening kind of get myself in the door and um, do some research. Because, as I said, Bill Hancock and that group, I'm sure those kinds of uh, questions have come their way, uh, and they've done a real fine job. And, again, it's all about analytics, and I know those discussions will be ongoing. Uh, but we're going to leave those kind of decisions up, up to Bill because he's the one that's got to <laughs> deal with uh, those kinds of questions. But, I know those are discussions that will be, um, you know, had. Yeah. No, no question about it. Uh, for you, I mean, you know, it's it's it, we're obviously going through through COVID. It's been uh, about a year now. But again, about a year ago, around this time, you were uh, uh, inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, which is absolutely uh, outstanding. Can you speak to that and what that meant to you or what it means to you? Well, uh, yes, uh, really, when I, if I could just brought chills uh, to me when I got the call. But, you know, it's like coming full circle um, to be able, and not just with the um, National Football Foundation College Hall of Fame, but also what Doug and um, Shaq Harris has done and creating the Black College Hall of Fame, which I went in this past year uh, down in Atlanta. So for both of those to occur and you are, you know, forever enshrined, it just simply says that um, throughout my career, I was able to surround myself with great people from administrators, uh, of course, assistant coaches and those outstanding. Because I always tell people, <laughs> you know, I've never gone to a Kentucky Derby and seen a donkey. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to right. have some horses. And I've uh, been blessed to, uh, you know, recruit and have a staff to go out and recruit and just have some outstanding young men uh, that no matter what I did in terms of touching their lives, certainly they touched mine as well. So it's like full circle. Uh, We talk about we have um, 24 national championship rings uh, or conference championship rings. Well, when you take all of those off and you put on that College Hall of Fame ring and, of course, the Black College Hall of Fame, that's full circle. Uh, That lets you know that, again, uh, hard work does not go unnoticed. Talking with the legendary Joe Taylor here on From the Press Box to Press Row. He has recently been selected as a college football playoff committee member. We're going to step aside, take a quick break, come back with more of Coach Taylor as you're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're talking with Joe Taylor, uh, the legendary Joe Taylor, former head football coach, Virginia Union, Hampton, Howard, Florida A&M, a college football Hall of Famer, a black college football Hall of Famer, uh, the actually the athletics director currently at Virginia Union and was recently selected as a college football playoff selection uh, committee member. Uh, how big? I mean, obviously you have a, a, a great association. I mean, you you know you talk about legendary coaches of all time, but particularly in the HBCU realm. So when that when it comes up that the uh, athletics director Joe Taylor at Virginia Union comes up on the bottom line of like an ESPN U or ESPN broadcast, uh, and it and it says that you're now a college football uh, playoff committee member. 
how big can you uh, obviously it's big but tell us how in your mind how big that is uh for hbcus as a whole well uh again very good question because as you look around and you do a little research um this is must this must be the year of first you know you talk about first african-american female uh as the vice president of the united states you talk about uh her being the product of an hbcu um you know from what i'm seeing this is the first time that an athletic administrator from an hbcu has been selected to be on this committee uh because as you know we're talking um the highest level of football competition uh, in the college ranks. Um, so for this, to, and then being right now, even though I've been at one AA, I'm at a Division two, uh, you know, school. But the fact that this is the first uh, appointee from uh, an HBCU, um, you know, when you really kind of sit down and look at that. Uh, it makes it um, pretty, the magnitude of it is simply awesome because it's not just Joe Taylor, it's not just uh, Virginia Union, it's a, it's a representation of all of HBCU at all levels because, you know, we are uh, Division Two in terms of our four conferences, the SIAC, CIAA, MEAC, and SWAC. And, of course, our highest level is 1AA, but to be in the room making decisions on the highest level and you are the product of HBCU, I just think uh, it just makes it that much bigger. And, again, it's quite an honor. You know, for you, and you put yourself in this position, again, president of the AFCA at one time, uh, to your point, a, a, a member, a board member, I guess, for eight years before you became president. And uh, were you, and now you're the athletics director also at Virginia Union, where you had a lot of success as the head football coach there as well. So once you finished coaching, did you feel like you definitely wanted to be in athletic administration and AD? How did it come about? Did Virginia Union come to you? Is it something you wanted to do? How, did you feel like, I want to be an AD once I'm done coaching? Well, you know, that uh, wasn't a, uh, a, an inspiration um, uh, or an aspiration, should I say. I had retired after 40 years of being on the sideline. Um, it was really my mindset that I had finished because I wrote a book and the book is called the making of a champion success is an inconvenience. And I uh, wrote the book and my idea was that was the last part of my career because learning from guys like Eddie Robinson, everybody's career has three parts. The first part is when you do your research, you, you build yourself by, uh, you know, broadening your knowledge base uh, and not letting anybody, uh, you know, have more knowledge of your profession than you. And then once you build yourself, you put a very high work ethic with it. And when you do those two things, people are going to want you to be a part of their organization. Well, the second part of your career is what I call maintenance, is that once you gain the knowledge, you, you have the work ethic, and you are part of an organization, don't get in your own way. In other words, uh, the DUIs, the spousal abuse, the bad social decisions, you've got to stay away from that. And, and, and if you stay away from that, uh, it gives you... Um, you know, maintenance, sustainability. Well, the last part of your career is, to me, what Eddie Robinson and all those great coaches did. They poured back. They gave back. Uh, they left examples of uh, how to get things done. And Eddie was one of my biggest mentors. I used to bug him all the time because I just admired him. And so 
giving back uh, when I wrote that book was to say it's not one way to be successful. It's not just one way to get it done. But this is what Joe Taylor did, and that's why I wrote the book, to put it in print that this is a model uh, for what uh, or how you can do it, not the only way to do it, but this is how I did it. And the Lord blessed me with, uh, like I said, for every 10 games that I coached, I won seven. Well, I wanted to put that in print as to, and not just the X and O's. It's about relationships and motivation. It's about organization. It's about consistency. All of that is in the book. So I really thought I was finished with uh, campus, administration, uh, coaching. But this young man, Dr. Perkins, who was the coach, I mean, was the president at Virginia Union. After I was on a golf course in Tallahassee after I retired from FAM, and uh, Bobby Bowden and I were just on the golf course every every other day, just losing golf balls. <laughs> and I got a call from Perkins, Dr. Perkins, said, Coach, I know you are retired, but will you come and just give me three years and re- restore the tradition of Virginia Union, which has a great tradition of winning? And I said, well, I'll give you three years. Well, hell, seven years later, I'm still there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's a labor of love. I mean, I'm up every morning at 4.30 without an alarm clock. Uh, you just enjoy uh, being able to touch people and uh, give them uh, a blueprint for a great career or a great experience with the idea of the good Lord didn't bring you here just to be a uniform rack, but use this athletic model or, or, or engine and, you know, really put those goals high. Use this, but uh, it's a lot more to you, again, than a uniform rack. So I enjoy being around young people and, uh, you know, creating strategies uh, putting together strategic, um, you know, examples of uh, what we need to do step by step by step. So I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, sometimes I try to find that tree that that limb fell out of and bumped me upside my head. <laughs> said that uh, when I came to, I had said yes to a job. <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it's a, it's a great platform. A lot of great things are going on. So, again, I just consider it really blessings. Yeah, no, foot, uh, football program has been turned around. Women's basketball program a couple years back uh, played for a, a national championship, so no question about it. You know, Coach Taylor, and again, we're joined by Joe Taylor. Again, he's been selected as a member of the college football playoff uh, and, a, of course, a college football Hall of Famer, black college football Hall of Famer, legendary figure. You know, we had Rudy Hubbard on the program a couple of weeks ago. He, of course, as you know, just got inducted into the College yeah. Football Hall of Fame. Last yeah. week right. talked a lot about black coaches, uh, specifically the lack thereof in the National Football League. But, uh, you know, I, I'm of the, uh, you know, I, I contend that a lot of that also has to do with the lack of black head coaches at the FBS level. Uh, first question, uh, a couple of questions, but first, I mean, did you ever have aspirations to coach on the FBS level? Well, you know, as you um, get to a particular platform, um, you know, you look at it. See, I always looked at coaching as a ministry. Um, in fact, you know, Mike Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator when I was at Eastern Illinois and I was his offensive line coach. Well, you know, he coached in the pros. Um, so, you know, if that had been a real interest, uh, but I always thought that pro, you know, level was a meat market. Uh, I, I didn't think it was, you know, the players really control the coaches. Uh, and and I, I don't, I didn't, get excited about see I, I want to build uh, a lot of times those pros man you know uh, <laughs> you know they got a different agenda uh, so to answer your question there were some opportunities even a couple of times um, at Navy 
that was an interview process there. Uh, you know, Ohio, um, you know, I interviewed and uh, search firm, you know, uh, I went back for the second, you know, uh, you know, interview. Uh, and then there was, you know, of course, Western Carolina. There were some opportunities. But to be honest with you, uh, you know, you really want to be where you made decisions, where uh, you could make a difference. I had said, and I don't want to keep rambling on, but I had said when I was at Eastern Illinois in 1978, we won a national championship. And Eastern had won and had a winning season in 16 years. Well, we went up there with Daryl Mudra, John Tilly, Mike Shanahan, Jerry Brown, and we won a national championship. And as I continued to be in those meetings, uh, and I took about 15 guys with me when I went to Eastern because I was a, uh, helping Bob Hedden, legendary yeah, coach in D.C. Sure. And uh, we won championships at H.D. Whitson. So when I went to Eastern with Daryl Mudra, I took 15 guys out of the city. And uh, five of them started in the national championship game. But as I continued to come in after practice, the staff would get together. We have our staff meetings. The next morning, we have our staff meetings. And if a young African uh, American had a great practice, say on Monday, well, he called home Monday night, and something goes wrong, you know. Uh, he gets a dear John letter or finding out that the parents are separated. So the next day, he his focus is not in practice. And he, he doesn't have the same kind of practice. Well, the coaching staff would come in, and with the same guy that they were raving about on Monday, all of a sudden this guy is a piece of, a piece of meat on a plate. And that really, uh, you know, you kind of look at that. And I said to myself, well, as, as, as much as this is great, we won a national championship, I said, I think I need to go back. And, you know, because those young men I was coaching at Easton could probably get a shave and a haircut and go back home and be in the family's business. Well, the young men that, uh, you know, I brought to uh, Charleston, Illinois, or I would coach, they didn't have an opportunity. If they didn't make it with this, if they didn't make it with this football talent, they couldn't go back home and get into the family business because there was no family business. So that's when it became a ministry for, uh, to me. I'm, so, I'm going to stay in this, but I'm going back to the HBCU uh, and create that role model that these can stand in front of a young African-American with a necktie on, and it's more to it than how fast you run, how hard you hit, uh, you know, how uh, far you can throw a ball, how well you can catch with one hand. It's more to that. So that's when I decided it's not about the pro coaching level. It's not about one double A. It's not about one A. It's about being in a situation where I can impact lives in a real natural way and see if we can see these guys having a great experience in college. And in my book, you'll see, well, you know, doctors, lawyers, dentists uh, that played for me, and we went beyond the X and O's, and we talked about life and goals and being determined, uh, you know. So – I know that's a long answer to your question, but it was more toward to, it was more to me than me going to the pros, going to one A. I wanted to be in a situation where I could impact lives in a very positive and lifelong situation. Mm. Very well said. The book, of course, is the making of a champion. Success, success is. And inconvenient. It is by Joe Taylor. Of course, he has just been uh, selected to the College Football Playoff Committee, College Football Hall of Famer, Black College Football 
Hall of Famer. 232-96-4 record in 30 years as a head football coach. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Run. By the way, uh, president at one time of the American Football Coaches Association. Coach Ted is always great. I, I learn something new every time we talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, continued success, man. We're 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 very proud of you. That's a big that's a big deal. Uh, extremely proud of you and continued success in all you do. Well, thank you and continued success to you guys because you all do a great job of telling the story. So we we really appreciate you all reaching out and continued success to you. Thank you very much, Coach Taylor. Joe Taylor joining us here on the program. Absolutely huge to be on the college football playoff committee and representing HBCUs. One last break, and we're going to come back to wrap things up on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Delaware on ESPN Radio, right here on Sirius XM. So, a couple of things I want to get to. Legendary coach Jerry Johnson, who coached at Lemoyne Owen, coached at Lemoyne Owen, coached the basketball program at Lemoyne Owen for 46 years. Yes. 46 years. He passed away on Sunday at the age of 102. He was 102 years old. He had some roots. Of course, we're here in the state of North Carolina. He actually began his coaching career here in the high school ranks, uh, I believe, up and over in Hickory, North Carolina. He's a graduate of Wiley College, who is an HBCU guy through and through. And this is the interesting thing as well. He earned his, he started out at Wiley, but he he earned his degree at Fayetteville State. So he's got roots in North Carolina through Fayetteville State and then as as a basketball coach on the high school level in Hickory. And this is the thing about Mr. Johnson is that he learned the game of basketball from John McClendon, the legendary John McClendon, McClendon, head coach at North Carolina Central, had some great, great, uh, great success at then. I think it was then uh, Texas, uh, Tennessee A and I, which ultimately is Tennessee State, won three straight NAIA national championships from '57 to '59. Then ultim- and then went on to be the first black head coach of a pro basketball team is ultimately in also in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. So he learned the game from him, John McClendon, who was taught, the, who was a student of James Naismith, the inventor of basketball. Again, to be at one school for 46 years, to have all of that success. Um, and by the way, think about it, won a Division Three national championship in 1976. The only HB at that time, was the first uh, HBCU Division III uh, program to win a national championship, okay? And the other thing is, with respect to Mr. Johnson, was very well respected. 821 wins in his career. 821 wins in his career. You know, one of the things I'm not seeing, which is very surprising is um, college basketball hall of fame. Like when you do that, win a national championship, have that success 46 years at one school, 46 years in coaching period as a head coach, and then have 821 wins and 
a national championship, doesn't matter the level that you have the national championship at. I mean, that is absolutely huge. So hopefully would one day hope to see Mr. Jerry Johnson in the college basketball Hall of Fame and very surprised uh, that his name is not in the college basketball Hall of Fame. And you know what they say, give people their roses while they're still alive. And I'll tell you what, had every opportunity to do that and it just didn't happen. Also, another passing is just, you know, passing after passing. People are just passing. You talk about 2020 and then now in 2021. Sekou Smith of TNT Sports was, listen, used to come on this program semi-regularly when, you know, back in the day and talk NBA. Graduate of Jackson State, passed away, passed away from COVID. Um, it was earlier in the week, I, I think, uh, so Wednesday. I think it was, well, I found out Wednesday. I uh, had a buddy of mine uh, call me and, and, and inform me of that, and I couldn't believe it. I hadn't talked with Sekou in a, in a little while, but, I mean, communicated with him, you know, happy birthday and communicated with him via text and things of that nature. But, you know, I remember being at NBA All-Star Weekend in 2007. It was my first NBA All-Star Weekend, and I was hanging out with Roscoe Nance, who, by the way, uh, it's been a year now since – uh, Roscoe uh, passed away and was hanging out with Roscoe, met a bunch of different people. But one of the people that I met ultimately was Sekou Smith. Great guy, Jackson State graduate, um, very well respected across all circles of the NBA. And wow, you talk about a huge passing. Uh, and again, at a young age, young, 48 years old. COVID is taking people out of here. Be serious about it. Can't can't overemphasize that enough in terms of protecting yourself, wearing the mask, social distancing, washing your hands, being as safe as possible, as safe as you possibly can. Um, but man, Sekou, man, a great guy. Um, wow. I mean, uh, passing on at the age of 48 due to, to the corona virus so again continue to be safe and boy i mean my heart just goes out to his entire family and just what a what a great guy i mean again giving up his time and matter of fact last time i saw him was at nba all-star weekend in 2012 in orlando giving up his time as busy as he was from time to time to come on and talk some nba with us here on box to row I've got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. want to thank Paul Westhead and Joe Taylor for joining us today here on the program. The Box to Row All-America preseason football team will be released on Monday, Monday afternoon. Check on our website at boxtorow.com again. And then the coaches and media polls will be released the following week. So a lot of content, very, getting very busy. Football season, basketball season still going on as well. Log on to BoxToRow.com for all of it. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Time for this show to drop the lid. That'll do it for this week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Join us again next week for an in-depth look at historically black college athletics and the biggest news stories of the day. 